Dear Shame, you're a liar and a jerk. We've spent so long listening to your lies that we forgot what our own voice sounds like. We forgot who we were before shame told us we weren't enough. We've carried the lies that never belonged to us, and now we're ready to call you by your name. We're here to reclaim the parts of ourselves that you made camp in. My name is Emily Stearman, and this is Speaking to Shame. human being who matters and deserves to take up space. I'm honored that you're spending your time with me here on Speaking to Shame. I'm your host, Emily Stearman, and today we have therapist and shame slayer, Erica Nordfeldt. She's the owner of Greenstone Counseling in Rexburg, Idaho, and has been a licensed therapist for eight years. Self-love and shame resilience are at the core of Erica's work. She's a people person who feels deeply honored to help others through their personal struggles. One of my favorite things about Erica, which it was hard to narrow down because she's legitimately phenomenal, and you'll see that for yourself here in just a few minutes, is that she genuinely believes people are trying their best. Sometimes that best means taking the world by storm, and other times that's getting out of bed or sometimes taking a shower, and both bests are valid. This work energizes her and she views therapy as a privilege. She honors being a part of the vulnerable and brave parts of people's stories, and I'm honored to have her share her light with us today. Erica, thank you so much for being here. I am so thrilled. I'm your number, probably number three fan, because you have like a husband and like kids. Yay! (laughs) I have fans! (laughs) You do! When I decided to speak out about shame, you were instrumental in my experience with coping with shame and also instrumental in my learning and education of shame and the goodness that you know and the expertise that you have is so approachable and more people listening to your voice can understand how shame impacts them so really just can you give us a baseline of what shame looks like how shame affects us and how you see shame showing up often yeah, totally. Um, I feel like I talk about shame so much. Those that are around me often, like my kids are like, mom, <laughs> shame again, like, because I've become this broken record. But because it's, to quote it, Brene Brown, who, if you don't know about her listeners, please look into her because this is all coming from her research. And in a video talking about boundaries, she says um, that Well, okay, actually, that's the wrong quote. Boundaries are freaking important is what she says, but that's for another episode. But shame, it really just influences so much. And it shows up in so many of the negative emotions that we experience. So in sessions, I talk a lot about, at least introductory, discussing the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is something that, something I did wrong or something wrong that happened because it's not always something we do. Um, She says it is something that we did wrong but I add a little sometimes it's just life happens but yet we we still have to kind of learn from it so an example could be I mean I'll just make an example for me maybe I had a really bad session and I I felt pretty cruddy about it because guilt still feels uncomfortable there's a lot of discomfort with guilt 
But if I'm really trying to be guilt-oriented, I'm learning, okay, what went so poorly in that session? You know, how much of it can I be accountable for? How much of it was also just life and therapy and, you know, the reality of often we just don't have positive sessions or productive sessions. And, and so sorting out those things and learning from it so that I can move forward and have more positive experiences. So I still feel guilt. That's still uncomfortable. But it's truly guilt is, is growth-prone. Um, and yet shame is, is none of those things. Shame is, um, same thing happened. I had a really tough session and I come out of that instead feeling, instead of, okay, what can I learn from? I'm thinking, gosh, I'm such a horrible therapist. Like this person shouldn't even be paying me. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna flunk out of my job. <laughs> I'm gonna let down my family. And it spirals into this really negative place and it does it so easily because that's the momentum that shame catches. It's very, I think, contagious in its its momentum that can spiral out so quickly. So so yeah, so essentially it's it's focused on worth and value, meaning that it's going to convince us that we're not enough. So in that example, it would be I'm not a good enough therapist or I'm not smart enough or I'm not whatever. It, we fill in the blank with whatever fits the situation, but ultimately it's attacking our worth and value. But worth and value are untouchable. <laughs> they still exist. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> And yet we get really caught up and so convinced in this idea that we are not enough based on our value um, or based on our experiences, but value just remains. Um, That doesn't mean that we can't learn from things and that we can't still recorrect and somehow try to improve if necessary or even apologize. Like sometimes we mess up and it involves other people and we need to say we're sorry and we need to be accountable. But none of that means that we aren't good enough. Um, that value just still exists. Absolutely. I really love your distinction between guilt and shame. And that was actually a pinnacle moment for me in our discussions was the way that you described guilt and shame, that guilt can still be a self or a a growth promoting experience. Whereas shame really does make you feel stuck. Like to me, shame feels like I'm out of options and I just live here where the shame abounds Um, and I think that we especially as women we are guilted by existing (laughs) mom guilt which you call mom shame Uh and I love Um, body guilt body shame bikini bodies right like hot girl summers Um, our our worth at our professions you know our jobs like you talked about how not maybe not being smart enough um, plays a factor into your personal experience with shame and how like how many other options for shame are there like it's innumerable i feel um and maybe it starts out as guilt but ultimately uh when we're not talking about it i think it festers and turns to shame especially when we're looking at what we're lacking and what other people seemingly quote unquote have Mm -hmm. you know and it's interesting that you said you focused on women because a lot of brene's work really at first was just focused on females and kind of, you know, understanding how this shows up for women. And then after a while, she kind of got some pushback that there was guys that were like, we experience it too. (laughs) And yet they experience it very differently and for different ways. But yet the weight and like the toxicity of the shame is still the same. Yeah. So, um, it, so it exists for everyone. And I don't, you know, when we're talking about growth and how to work through it, I talk about shame resilience 
not meaning that we're going to get rid of it, but we can become more tolerant of it because it's somewhat of a byproduct of being human. That doesn't mean it needs to overwhelm us all the time or be toxic or even spiraling, but yet we can make room for, this is going to come up on occasion. How do I deal with it better? I love the phrase make room for, because to me that feels the exact opposite of what shame teaches. I feel like shame wants us to stay isolated and thinking that we have to be where we're at, but making room for experiences, for questions, for growth, for maybe guilt promoting us to say sorry when we did something that was hurtful. I feel like that is a key point in understanding the difference between shame and guilt and also just where shame is showing up in your life. Like, do you feel stuck consistently around a certain topic or do you feel, uh, less than around a certain experience? Like, do you always feel like less than a mom or, or less than mom, uh, or a less than coworker, you know? Um, and if that is your experience, maybe look at that and ask questions. That's another thing. I'll let you talk about well, that. Be curious. That's it. Like, that's such a good, useful tool to always be curious. And, and curiosity isn't meaning that I'm judging. It isn't meaning that I'm making any type of evaluations or determining what this means in the long term. It's just like I'm observing and I'm wondering and I'm gathering more information. So I love that you're saying that. Like, okay, what's showing up for me? Maybe this is a new idea of shame. Where am I curious that it, that it exists in my life? And continue to be more curious, like, what's around it? What's happening? Where is it showing up more? Where is it showing up less? Like, that's also a really useful thing. Where do I feel more comfortable with myself? Or whom do I feel comfortable around? Yes. Like, those are good questions on either side to just get more information. Because self-awareness is the best first step. And in addition to also gathering that information, tuning into your body. Like, mm. I know this is something we talk about. Yes. Is that... You know, how does your body feel when you're feeling X, Y, Z emotion? Because mm-hmm. our bodies attain or our bodies, they essentially, they react. They react mm-hmm. to the emotions. And so when we can tune into what those reactions are, again, that's giving us more information. Exactly. And so instead of living in a continually reactionary cycle, we can get curious, one, and then tune into what our body is telling us, too, and say, okay, let's discuss and understand this better and then there you go you that's half the battle I feel like recognizing where shame lives in you where it exists in you or in your life that's half of the fight and then the other half is what you said earlier our love the love for us and our worth is non-negotiable and it's shame will tell us that that's not true but it because we exist we are worthy like that's the bottom line um and so on this track of getting curious and like recognizing where it's where it lives in our body or what our body is doing um are there any other tools that you like to share with your clients or that you've learned over the years that can really be um, beneficial in helping somebody you know once they recognize the shame how can we start working on the shame what tools do you offer or share to do that So I'll give a couple ideas. The first ones, these again are more Brene Brown things. She says, you know, recognize it and be aware. Call it by its name, meaning like I'm not just feeling miserable. I'm not feeling depressed. I'm feeling shame. So add that. Yeah. And adding that in also allows you to have a little bit of distance. It's the same thing with other emotions too. It's like I'm feeling anxiety versus just like. I'm worried all the time. Like that there's a little bit more distance that I'm acknowledging what the emotion is. So calling it by its name and then speaking and sharing it with someone else. So a huge part of her research also is how shame 
shame is somewhat killed <laughs> through <laughs> empathy. Empathy is the yes. antidote to shame, she'll say, but yet that is a pathway that only has to come or can only happen through vulnerability. So those three elements of shame, vulnerability, and empathy show up a lot in her research. And, and yet when we are brave enough, because bravery has to be spoken about when we're doing these really hard things because it takes so much courage, to when we're brave enough to share our honest stories with the right people because yes. not everyone is the right person yep. at every moment in our life yep it it can help to decrease the shame it can help us because one of the biggest parts of the lies that shame tells you is that you're worthless and alone <laughs> you're worthless and the only person in the whole world that's worthless yes. and you're horrible at this and you're the only one that's horrible at this and nobody will understand what you're feeling and that is also such a, a corrosive part of that lie because actually we're all struggling all <laughs> yes. the time all the time and when we can embrace that more and connect with others i feel like connection is the energy of life i really uh, do and of course that's gonna fit write that right? down connection <laughs> is the energy of life <laughs> i feel like that's where all the power and the meaning and moments are and of course that's my jam so i'm going to feel that way but in those moments of connection with others and if there's similarity in stories and if you all of a sudden are sitting with this feeling of like <gasps> i'm seen i'm seen i'm accepted it's okay they're dysfunctional too <laughs> <laughs> like we can all celebrate and have a party and we feel less shame yes. we feel less shame we feel better about ourselves and that can also actually in i think the opposite way have somewhat of a spiraling effect in the positive direction of like Oh, there's confidence and that feeds more confidence as well as more positive experiences and that's not how it works out for everybody yeah. but for some people it can have a, just a more positively pulling quality yes. as well as like wow like it's okay to be me yes i'm not alone i love what you yes. said uh when we share again when we share with the right people we ha can sit in that powerful connection and validation and that you're right it does take bravery it takes bravery to be authentic. It takes bravery to say, hey, are you struggling? Because I'm struggling. And it also takes bravery to continue on in that path. I feel like I've had moments in my life where, you know, I felt more vulnerable and powerful in my vulnerability. Um, but it only takes one unkind word or one dismissal or whatever, you know, for, for that to feel not as impactful or not like the right thing to do. Like, oh, that hurt. I'm never going to tell somebody about that part of me again <laughs> and that's why a it's super important to like what you said to share with the right people not everybody deserves your story but also b to have that bravery to move forward and know that connection there is power in connection there's connection power in vulnerability and that is where we can really remove the shame from our experiences and okay so i'm going to add another little thing to that because um at least going back to the idea of of value most people can look at I mean and this is somewhat I feel like universal for almost any culture and um, you know different ethnicities and all sorts of things that, that we look at young children who are by the way extreme failures <laughs> <laughs> they can't cut a straight line they, they yeah they can't feed themselves they can't put their clothes on and when they do they're backwards and inside out which my 11 year old still does <laughs> Like, they are messing up all the time. But yet, no one looks at them with judgment and criticism and being like, come on, yes. kid, get it together. Like, that's not how we view young children as they are fumbling through their lives. Um, 
because they are supposed to be failing in order to get better. They're supposed to be learning. We get that. And so somewhere between being these young failures that we all were and growing up into adulthood, we've changed our mind about ourselves, um, which isn't okay. You know, that's also part of the, the I guess, dysfunction of developing into yes. adults in certain societies that, yeah, now we've learned we have to act a certain way or be a certain thing or achieve certain things in order to gain value. But if we're talking about vulnerability – Again, look at young children and how vulnerable they are, and yet they don't feel any shame about it. They love wearing their clothes backwards. (laughs) (laughs) And they love telling you a story that absolutely has no point. They just want to be heard, and they want to be seen. (laughs) And, and, I mean, I guess I should also say, unfortunately, not every kid has maybe the safety to step into that vulnerability. But for for most, most children in those young, safe, healthy, I think, childhoods, they do have a lot of power to just be as vulnerable as possible and experience no shame. Yes. Uh, what did you say? Little failures? Something like that. <laughs> another, <are>. another t-shirt <laughs> idea. I'm just a little failure in a big body. <laughs> so uh, keep up with all these good nuggets. Take notes. We're all learning here. <laughs> I want to go to another topic that, as I have done more work on shame, has continually come up. I run into this pretty much every single time I talk with another person about shame. So we did something to hurt another human being, however big or small that is, whether it was our actions or our words. How do we let the guilt of that propel us to make changes but not live in the shame that that could possibly bring or often does bring? Ah, That's such a good one. I think first we have to kind of somewhat acknowledge that when we are in shame, actually, we perform pretty poorly. <laughs> and that can often <laughs> result in, in inflicting pain on others, whether it's an intentional or not. But, but when we see that type of behavior, maybe as, a, as an observer, um, it really helps to ask ourselves, like, what's really going on for that person? Mm, you know, people that are, are, really, are really hurtful or spiteful or, or cruel no one is just like that. Yeah. That that usually sources from something, and often my curiosity is like, what shame is around that? Not to say that that's always there. There's some people with some significant personality disorders, and there's yeah. no shame, and it's you know more of a diagnostic thing. But for those of us that is the majority of people that act poorly, um, that is our our unhealthy way to sometimes navigate that shame. <laughs> so people that blame a lot or that can even get critical, like if you look at bullies, I mean, and this isn't a brand new idea, but if we're looking through it through the lens of shame, if I'm a young, let's say, you know, I'm a, a, a middle schooler and I feel horrible about myself and mm. it feels a little bit better if I make others feel worse than me that I'm maybe going to chase that feeling Mm -hmm. and I'm going to maybe go after that so that I feel a little less miserable about myself now it's not working because maybe I still have a conscience and I know that that's not working (laughs) too and that adds to this inner turmoil that I may be too um, underdeveloped and uh, immature to really reconcile and understand but it's helping me in those moments and not that I'm still going to continue to do that and let's say bullies do not just stay in middle school bullies Mm -hmm. come in all sorts of forms and and that can show up in all sorts of different relationships. So so first is acknowledging that. I think poor behavior often sources from shame in general. But when it's our poor behavior, how do we, how do yes. we get through that? Um, and how do we maintain guilt about that? 
So I think a massive component is that is self-compassion. So we're being accountable. That means that we're not avoiding the ugly parts of ourselves and Mm -hmm. we're still saying, okay, this is what's okay and this was what was not okay. This is who I want to be and this is where I was out of line with who I want to be. And I got to fess up to myself or I got to fess up to others. I have to, you know, in a lot of 12-step programs, there's mm. you know, the 12 steps, depending on kind of what their focus is, but a huge, I want to say it's, I actually don't know what step. One of the steps <laughs> is about making One amends and yes. it's about totally going to those that they have wronged in their life and apologizing and, and making up for that. And so that's, that's a massive step that they have to move through in order to continue their process and kind of heal. Yeah. So, and if you think of somewhat, I guess the, the emotional mechanics that are required in order mm. to apologize and to make things right, we definitely have to humble ourselves. We also have to be honestly look at ourselves and make space to look at ourselves in an honest way. Yeah. Now, that's where usually the shame com- jumps in is like, I can't do that. I can't look at myself long enough t- without feeling shame that I just am going to retreat or I'm going to resort back to those other behaviors. Like it takes a lot of, I think, again, courage to say, oh, this was me and I'm owning it, and that wasn't yeah. okay, and it wasn't okay with me either, but that doesn't mean I'm not a bad, or doesn't mean that I've lost my worth, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person, because yeah, again, that's where shame can jump in and take it off, and so when we can truly spend honest assessment of self, and also add some elements of self-compassion, because I don't think we can move through it without self-compassion, mm-hmm. Without it going into shame. So yeah. I think self-compassion is that armor, I suppose, or it is, is, is a barrier that allows us to move forward in a more organically guilt-oriented way so that I'm still feeling remorse, but I'm also like, I'm so sorry you feel bad about this. Yes. Like, this sucks that that was bad and you did that and it hurt them and this whole, like, this is a messed up situation. Yeah. Like, I'm so sorry. Meaning, yeah. I'm sorry to me and I am giving myself compassion and I am somewhat rooting myself on so that I can get through this really hard thing. Maybe I have to apologize to this person. Maybe it's my spouse. Gosh. Yeah. Like, and I really like <laughs> that person. Yeah. Like, I'm a big fan and I hurt <laughs> them so bad. Yeah. And so here I go having to have a conversation because maybe that's going to bring up more pain for both of us and that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I guess, okay, understanding how shame plays into poor behavior, recognizing where self-compassion is essential also honesty and humility and really getting right with what's okay and what's not okay and that's actually a whole nother conversation that maybe we should have at some point about (laughs) about values about knowing what's okay and what's not okay for us because that is a different answer for every person Mm -hmm. you know I think we all just we all somewhat innately develop these core values some of it's influenced by our families or our experiences and I honestly feel like some of it is just us yes (laughs) and and we come with it yes and so that's a whole process that also helps, I think, move us forward in a more, as some would say, with, with more integrity. So we have defined shame, and we've talked about some ways to deal with it. And we explored the difference between guilt and shame. We also talked about what to do when we have hurt another person, and maybe shame comes up after that, and how to deal with that and move forward. And now, I think... What's left is to let you know that we're two real human beings who are doing this work, and it's brave work, it's hard work, it's vulnerable work, but it is so worth it. Mm. It's worth it work. Yes, worth it work. Yeah. For me, shame has shown up 
in nearly every facet of my life, I experienced shame from a very young age and I carried that with me through so many times and places. I was a big kid, so I got shamed a lot for my weight. Um, I have always had a, like a really loud voice mm-hmm. and a lot of ideas and I've been really passionate. So a lot of shame for my ideas. Um, and the list goes on and on. And now that I'm a mom, I am no stranger to the mom shame. Mm. And it looks it's like beast. it really is <laughs> it's so hard. It's so isolating. It's the worst. It looks shame looks like now for me. Um, you're not enough. And it makes me feel like I will never leave that place. Um, and that's why I started this podcast. That's why I've been speaking out. That's why we're hosting a retreat about shame. That's why. I'm here to tell you that you don't actually belong to shame and that you don't have to carry it around in the box that you've been carrying it around in. Um, And I would just like to say one tidbit, um, this healing, uh, let's not glorify it. Let's not um, have rainbow at the end of the tunnel it. Um, I leave therapy in hives some days, (laughs) in shambles, heartbroken. Uh, There are some really tough things that I faced But living with myself as a home now, instead of asking shame, hey, what do you think about me, shame? Instead of that saying, shame, you don't get to be here anymore. Uh, That has been incredibly impactful. And that's allowed me to live in a more authentic way and to reach more people. And Erica, if you'd be willing, would you share how shame has impacted you and where it's shown up in your life? Yes. <laughs> and honestly, if, if there was an emoji for shame, it would be that. Ugh. And I don't know what it would look like. I don't know what the character would Ugh. be, but that would be the expression yes. of the shame emoji. Ugh. Because it's so it's so kind of ugly and hard and difficult and and truly okay, so this concept came into my life, gosh, I don't know. Probably six or seven years ago, and and really it was it was finding Brene Brown's work, yeah. And it was coming home from work one day, and I was already a therapist at this point, but it um, hadn't integrated into my therapy mm. approach much. Um, I came home, and my husband. It's so funny. He finds these nuggets, even though he's not way into the psychology as much as I am. But I think sometimes he's like, oh, yeah, Erica's going to like this. So <laughs> he was, knows you. It was one of those moments I came home. He's like, oh, I just saw this TED Talk. <laughs> and I remember watching it. I think I was even cooking dinner or something. And I was like, the world has changed. Because I just felt <laughs> her speak so life. much. like, And her, really her message and the way she delivers it is so authentic. And I think that's what resonated even more than the actual messaging and the research. Um, but that all carried through this, like, very authentic person that I didn't realize at the time is exactly who I've always wanted to be. And so, so it gave me more context and, and it helped me recognize at that point when it was coming into my life. Yeah, it was definitely, I think I was in the, in the war zone of mom shame. I live in a very homemaker oriented (laughs) world. I would say like there is a lot of, 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 you know, people in my similar phase that at that point I was mostly a stay-at-home mom. I was working a little bit, but, you know, I'm comparing myself to all of these moms and how much better they're doing it. And, and you know what the funny thing is? I wasn't even comparing my parenting to them yeah. because I didn't see that. I wasn't Just in their home. Output. Yeah, it was like how good their houses looked yeah. and their birthday <laughs> parties and their children are like dressed uh, and all of that. No so, backwards inside out clothes Yes, for them. and I was like, I can't keep up with this. This is overwhelming. Like, I just 
just feel so bad about myself. And yet, interestingly enough, when I was going through this work and trying to practice more self-compassion, I realized I didn't actually want to be like them. Mm. I didn't want to be a cookie cutter person. Mm. And I kind of liked my messed up children. <laughs> I shouldn't say they're messed up. I have wonderful children. <laughs> but I liked I, I liked their flaws. Yeah. I wanted them to be who they were. And, and, and so at my root and at my core, I know that that was more important to me. But I was really getting caught up in these scripts of who I thought I was supposed to be yes. and, and the comparison game and all of those things. So, so for me, mom shame took me by storm. But once I had that context, I could look back through my life and see where it was. Shame in so many other yes, things. Yes, I just didn't know what it of was confidence. at that yeah, in high school, I was best friends with all of the beautiful people mm. who dated each other and were just friends with me. <laughs> yes, the like. And so I never felt lovable. Yes. Like, I never felt dateable. Oh. I never had dates or boyfriends or any of that. And that was, honestly, I still feel that hole. And I've been married for 18 years, and I still feel that hole of, like, I'm not lovable enough. Mm. Like, there's no one that's going to want to love me intimately. Um, and also that's ironic because sometimes I don't even want to be intimate, you know, like <laughs> all, all the ironies of life, but it, that like it was, it scarred me that yeah. the shame of that part of my life mm-hmm. was so damaging that there's still pain there. And, and when I describe pain of shame, like, and I talk about this with clients too, and we're talking about how it shows up in our body and our reaction. For me, shame is like a rock on my heart, mm. like almost dragging me to the bottom of the deep end. And I feel like I'm getting smaller, mm. and I usually cry. I don't always cry with all emotions, unless it's like, you know, a Hallmark commercial. Yeah, a puppy that. dog. Yeah. A Budweiser <laughs> puppy dog commercial. Some baby on a commercial. But that's totally different. But, like, the shame, it brings me to a really low place. Yeah. And it feels just, ironically, I feel it feels heavy and small. Yes. Feel, or it feels heavy and I feel small. I yes. don't know. And there isn't maybe you know, good sensory description to that, but that's, that's how it shows up. And I think shame can blindside us. So again, that self-awareness piece is really important that if I'm like noticing, oh, there's the rock, what just happened? Mm. Like, did someone say something or did they go through something? And like, all of a sudden my body is reacting and I'm feeling shame. Mm-hmm. Then we can, again, be more curious and gain more information. So that's how it's shown up for me in other ways. Now I feel like personally, and as a, at least in the role as a mother, I very much embrace my imperfections and I think I'm more resilient with that as a professional it's still pretty hard and I have taken some big blows I've taken some real big blows like you know being passed up for for promotions or other job opportunities you know seeking validation from my coworkers that I've never gotten and and then realizing oh gosh maybe I'll never get that and so Mm. where do I get that you know how do I feel good enough Mm. instead and that was just waiting for someone to validate my shame or to you know work on my own shame so I think now it shows up in different circles but it still feels the same still shame yeah it still feels pretty rotten it still feels like I'm not good enough but because of all the work I've done, I'm more resilient to it. It's not as big of a monster. Um, I think I either tolerate it better better, or I feel less of, I guess, the magnitude of it, yeah. just depending on the situation. But I still feel it. Yeah. It's still it's still part of life. Yes. Oh, you said so many good things. I'm like trying to take mental notes. <laughs> to me, shame feels like a bag of sand in my gut. Mm-hmm. Like when you asked me what shame felt like in my body, that was immediately – and it feels like I can't digest it. Like, it doesn't move through my body. Um, it's not productive. It doesn't oh, give me like nutrients. Sludge. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Exactly. See, there Ugh. it is. There, there it is. is. 
<laughs> Emoji. We gotta figure that out. Someone designed it for Emily. Ugh. <laughs> yes. oh, but I also shame. Like when I visualize shame, it feels like I'm carrying around this box or like a backpack. Oh yeah. And it has lots of things. It has memories. It has goals. It has my personality in it. It has uh, my hopes and my dreams. And it also has shame in it. And when I take shame out of the backpack, everything else fits better. There's more room for things. There's more room for my goals. My memories maybe aren't different, but I they don't sting as much. Like you said, the resilience mm-hmm. and the, the ability to maybe not be as impacted by shame is there. But I think we are given shame, too. Like, I think when we bump into those cool people who are dating each other <laughs> and, like, we're like the – Okay, bye guys. See you later, friend. You know, cool friend that occasionally gets invited. <laughs> yeah, that's like home by nine. Like, mom, <laughs> you want to watch a movie together? You know, like I think we're given that shame sometimes. Like you said earlier, hurt people. Like, let's get curious. Why are these people behaving this way? Well, I think hurt people, hurt people. That's it's been on TikTok. I didn't say that. You know, I didn't say that. <laughs> that's a trending TikTok. Hurt people, hurt people, and. I think that's so true. We have this shame and we don't like it because it feels like a rock on our heart or a sandbag in our gut or a umbrella over us, like whatever it feels like to you. And we don't want to be alone in that. And so we bump on, we bump each other's shoulders and we say, hey, I feel crappy. You feel crappy too. And sometimes that is on accident. Sometimes that's on purpose, but yeah, we can offload it onto other people Mm -hmm. as well. So when you say we're given shame, I would also say we're also very much directly shamed. Yes. And that's something to be recognized. We are shamed. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not okay. And sometimes in those moments, especially if they're young moments as children, we just accept them and somewhat normalize them. Mm -hmm. And, And to acknowledge that in adulthood doesn't mean that we need to get caught up in this blame you shamed me and now you're the whole reason of my problems that's not helpful but it is useful to recognize part of uh, the full parts of our story is that Mm -hmm. maybe I was shamed I would and I adopted that shame actually into my own voice which made it a hundred times more potent Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't okay to come from anybody I never deserved that but when we adopt it and we record it in our own voice with ourselves, it actually is is far more damaging absolutely full clap 10 out of 10 (laughs) Gold medal. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I think the last thing that I want to say and that I want to leave you guys on, um, you mentioned how when you found Brene Brown, she was everything you wanted to be. She was actually the person that – and maybe it, it sounded like maybe it surprised you because you had been looking at the homemakers around you, the other women around you, the other data you had collected at what makes a, a good wife or a good mom. And really, here was this other experience, this other person that – maybe surprised you and you went oh my gosh actually I want to be like her Mm. she's living authentically Mm -hmm. and that is the gift of releasing shame because you become more authentic and you become who you've always wanted to be Mm -hmm. like that part of you that you like maybe live that lives like far away in your mind or maybe you thought was attainable once is now attainable she's now here with you because you're not giving your time to shame or you're saying not today, shame, and you're listening to that voice instead, however mm-hmm. that feels like, whatever that looks like for you. But when you give less time to shame, you give more time to you and who you authentically want to be. And really, like, as cheesy as this is going to sound, the, like person of your ge- <laughs> the person of your dreams is and can be you. Mm-hmm. Like, you can be who you've always wanted to be. You can be that version, that type of you, that authentic self when you're no longer consulting shame first. 
your body's reacting to that, huh? Oh, really? Mine is. Oh. When, because when you're talking about. I don't about, have hives, so I don't know. <laughs> when you're talking about, like, living in line with who you want to be, I feel like that's a visceral experience. Mm. So, for me, when you're describing that, it was it was less about, it wasn't like I wanted to be, like, running ground, but it was like I wanted to be more me. Yes. And honestly, like, my body reacts to that. Like, I have goosebumps when I'm thinking about living in line with myself. Mm-hmm. The person that I've always been, but when I'm more me, it it truly is a visceral experience of meaning and resonance because it's like, oh yeah, that person. Yeah, she's cool. She's amazing. She's awesome. She has everything she needs. She gets to do cool things that she wants to do. And at the beginning, you said, you know, shame doesn't belong to you or something like that. And the thought came into my mind, because you belong to you. Yes. You belong to you. Yeah. yeah. We belong to ourselves. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful thing to celebrate. We get very little training in this. No, you're we not need, wrong. We need more <laughs> lessons. But gosh, when we feel it, we feel it. Mm-hmm. We feel it on multiple levels. It's so powerful. And we bring others along with us. Like, hey, I'm more me. You come be more you too. Yes. And then we're just a little group of authentic mm-hmm. humans, like yeah. listening less to shame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> this was a dream. Erica will be back because we have too many more slogans to say. We're going to make t-shirts, people. (laughs) Get on the UGG development if you know the emoji for shame. The UGG. Yeah, it's not UGG. It's UGG. You're going to have a little guttural back there. (laughs) There's something in your throat. (laughs) No shame here. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you so much, Erica. Yay. I promise you've given enough time to shame. Shame speak.